0: Do you like aliens, UFOs, cryptids, and the supernatural? What about self-defecating humor? Uh, actually, it's self-deprecating humor. Well, you may both be right. Alien Theorist Theorizing is a comedy podcast that examines cases like Roswell, Bigfoot, or the Atacama Alien. If any of these topics pique your interest, subscribe to Alien Theorist Theorizing free anywhere you find podcasts or go to alientheorists.com.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Joe Trippi and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, some interesting and scary developments in the fight for our democracy. Alex, what's going on? Hey,
0: Joe. You know, this might be the scariest topic we've probably ever hit. And stay with us for a minute on this one.
1: Wait, 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 wait. We've had plenty of scary topics.
0: Yeah, well, I know. That's that's why I'm saying stay with us. And don't laugh because this one's easy to laugh off, too. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, decided to go all in, and he's calling it the fight for democracy in not in this country, but in in Hungary, Uh, as in Hungary. And, uh, Joe, I think my first reaction, I saw a lot of people's first reaction online was kind of scratching your head at it. But I, I think you made some good points. I saw Steve Schmidt made some good points on Twitter. This is much more calculated than that. Why is this so important to understand?
1: Because it's it, it's preparing the base. I mean, it, it's this isn't just some weird flirtation with a big dictator. I mean, this is what Tucker and the authoritarian movement want America to become. I mean, he's out there uh, defending—I mean, literally— going to Hungary meeting with a dictator and talking and saying things to his audience like this is what democracy should look like i mean you know calling it democracy calling a dictatorship democracy i mean orban you know built literally built a wall and then tried to charge the eu for make the eu pay for it that sounds familiar he's been so yeah so anti immigrant He's changed the judiciary, changed the education system in Hungary, gerrymandered the voting uh, so that only one party exists, pretty much. Any of this sound familiar at all? And it's more how he's doing it. I mean, to to sell and to be on the air for a week from Hungary uh, to Fox's viewers uh, extolling um, the the virtues of Orbán and uh you know like I said an authoritarian dictatorial leader who came to power by dividing spreading fear and hatred against the other it's just uh exactly the kind of culture war it all put in the dressing here uh, 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 of of saving western civilization yeah saving families yeah Yeah, saving families, saving uh, Western uh, civilization, it's all the same thing. I mean, um, Jared Sexton's article uh, in The Daily Beast, I think, laid out the case uh, pretty good. He said that what Orban and his allies have made clear to admirers like Carlson and Bannon is that it's possible, given the willpower and audacity to reject liberal democracy in the 21st century and realize an authoritarian regime. That's what. That is literally what this portends. I mean, this is a, a deep and dark place. That and you know, look, I, I the, the 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 stunning thing to me. Look, I I, I I've been at um, MSNBC. Um, I was at CBS Evening News. I was at uh, at Fox for for seven years. Uh, the other two for two each and two years at CNN. And I saw Tucker Carlson up close at MSNBC when he was a center left commentator or whatever you want to call what he was back then. Uh, Let's say moderate, you know, and then and I was with uh, saw him up close at Fox. Um, I haven't been at Fox in years, but this isn't the same guy (laughs) at all. And I used to think it was all an act. But with this, this, he has, he has gone someplace I never would have believed possible. Just stunning to me that he is hook, line, and sink, not only bought it, but selling it to, to his viewers. And that, and that Fox is letting him do it. I mean, they, they knew he was going where he was going. I mean, they, they let him do this for a week. On, on their channel. It's just uh, absolutely amazing. Right. They they paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, you know, and Steve Schmidt, uh, uh, you know, who I just think speaks with such clarity about this stuff, you know, basically said the mask is dropping on what the right is doing. They're, they're no longer pretending that it's about protecting our freedoms. It's about grabbing the whole thing and imposing their will on all of us, and and, and that means destroying democracy. Um, it, you know, it's sort of like when they, when you, I saw someone else say this, and I think it's the right way to put it too. When multiracial democracy means you're going to lose, your only option then is to be is to end multiracial democracy. That's the only way you maintain power. And it turns out that Tucker Carlson and his ilk are and tucker's gone there he's absolutely gone there and that's what this trip to to Hungary means it's just uh, unbelievable um to me
0: well what what i think a, a lot of people listening to us and, and need to really get is how similar this is and how it's really a blueprint for what they're trying to do. I mean, you look at every aspect of it. I mean, it, you talk about how Orban got into, basically changed the curriculum and changed how history was taught. Critical race theory?
1: Yeah, no, well, ch- critical race theory is has got nothing to do with anything. No one's teaching it. It's, it's about, again, dividing, uh, creating a, a reason to get into the schools and, and change the curriculum curriculum. Um, Jonathan Chait, you know, called it out uh, about Tucker, and he said he's laying down a marker in the highest profile way he can that Orban's iron fist is the future the Republican Party should want. The splashy imprimatur of Fox News primetime personality, who's probably the right's most influential media figure, is an important milestone in the, Repu- in the Republican Party's long evolution into authoritarianism. And this, this is why this is so important. And people keep saying, well, you keep sounding the alarm, and what's the answer? Well, first of all, there are a whole lot of people in this country that do not understand how deep and the threat is and how fragile the democracy is, how close we came to losing it, in the last election on January sixth, how it hasn't stopped and how it continues to march on—that's that's one. We have to wake up more Americans. That's why I tell people, you know, one of the things you can do is make sure your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers are getting this message. Not it, it, send them this podcast, send them Lincoln Project podcast, uh, uh, send them articles like the, Jonathan Chait wrote about Tucker Carlson, but make sure people are getting what, how fragile the fight for our democracy is, how they have to become engaged, all of have to do it. And look, I've talked to countless people. We're not going to be able to rely on the courts. The Supreme Court is gone. It's 6-3. Uh, people talk about, well, Breyer should quit now. Breyer quits now. It, it, it's still going to be 6-3, guys, uh, in in 2024. Um when they bring, when the Republican House doesn't certify the results and it goes to the Supreme Court on whether all these new laws that disenfranchised people were legal and they decertify, don't certify Biden's re-election, the Supreme Court's not going to do a damn thing. There's only one solution, and that is fight at the ballot box to defeat them. And yes, it's tough to fight extreme gerrymandering. That's what Orban did. Extreme gerrymandering in Hungary and got his own party, the own party, sole party into position where they cannot be defeated. That we have a chance, even with their gerrymandering in 2022, to, to, to defeat them. But if we miss that chance, there may not be another one. And I just think that's so important. I mean, that's why I joined the Lincoln Project, And I urge everybody who's listening to join something. There are plenty of good groups out there that are part of the pro-democracy coalition, and we need to build that coalition, um, bring group after group into it, make sure the corporate America understands that there are two sides, the authoritarians and us, and that we have to keep pushing, 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 wake up more Americans to the problem and make sure we get our votes out.
0: All right, Joe, let's move to Ohio. Uh, two special elections this past week. Yeah. I think both told us a lot of different things. But the one we got to start with is the replacement for Steve Divers. I think that was uh, the 11th district special election, Republican primary. Trump endorsed a coal lobbyist, Mike Carey. And it, he only got 37% of the vote. And we've spent months talking about this all-powerful authoritarian movement who everyone does exactly what Trump tells them to do. But this
1: guy only gets thirty percent, thirty-seven percent of the vote. What gives? Well, that's why. That's how powerful they cannot live. the The, the GOP cannot survive without the thirty-seven. Those thirty-seven points. If, if they reject them, if they reject the the Trump Trumpist authoritarian wing, they lose. So. Yeah, a whole lot of them, like 139 in the house are true blue card-carrying members of the authoritarian movement. So will Carry, I think. <laughs> so they just added one. It's what, you know, or well, Tyers probably one anyway, but you understand what I'm saying. They they we're we're we're, we're holding a 139-140. Their goal is to take over the whole party and they're doing it. They're purging there's only two, Adam Kinzinger and and Liz Cheney are the only two people that you can count on uh, in the House, uh, and they're being purged, you know, removed from committees and and, and things. At the local level, they're purging their central committees and their state committees, and they're putting the Trumpist uh, authoritarians in power. This is exactly the kind of thing that Orban did. And then you have the, the, uh, the situation... Uh, where now, if you can't win with that, that 37%, you start playing to it. So, which is what all these, a lot of the candidates did. I dare say that had Trump endorsed one of the other candidates, they would have gotten um, the bulk, you know, 30, 35, 37%. And we would know who Kerry was. And so once that's going on, now Trump controls the party. Because if you go against me, you're not going to win a primary. You're not going to be in power. you got to be with me. And I'm holding a gun to your head. You're, a, you're either with me and a true authoritarian or you're a hostage. And now we're talking about literally the entire, all the Republicans in the House and most of them in the Senate. I mean, all the Republicans save two in the House and, and, and most of, if not all, of the Senate Republicans. Even the Romneys, to some extent, are hostages to this. Uh, there's only so far, I think, some of them are willing to go, uh, and some of them are willing to go far. I mean, he voted for impeachment, so I'm not—and I'm not, and all of them uh, who show that courage should be praised. But I think that's the most significant thing here, that that, that you know, somebody who controls pretty much less—probably less than the majority of his party, of the Republican Party, actually controls the whole party, and that wing— is geared towards changing our laws, restricting votes, uh, doing anything, including we're now seeing in some of the memos that got written in the Justice Department, including trying to have the Justice Department urge Georgia to not, you know, to change Right, yeah. to, to seat a, a different electors. So they were. Th- th- this is a group that wants to take power through any means, and we also saw that some of the means uh, are increasingly violent. So, uh, and, and so I think that's one. But the the, the interesting thing about both the loss Trump uh, sustained in, in in terms of the Texas result, a special result, and this one is it was a really, both of them were really low turnouts. And that suggests to me, too, that one of the things that, you know, Trump has always had a hard time, uh, or the Republicans have always had a harder time, I'll put it that way, when Trump wasn't on the ballot. Um, And so that gives me some hope that in 2022, if we do, they can gerrymander, they're going to do everything that they can, they're going to suppress votes. But if we can do our jobs, uh, organize, make sure People get the message of what this, what the stakes really are here. I think there are some signs um, that we can succeed in 2022 because uh, we have to.
0: Well, you look at turnout, and I think there's been four, maybe I'm missing one, but in the four specials I can remember, the one in Texas where turnout was low, and we saw what happened there. New Mexico turnout was higher, and the Democrat won. Uh, turnout was pretty low in this Ohio one that the carry one, but yeah, uh, the, the, in the other race in Ohio this week, I think the 15th district turnout was like 50% higher. I think it was like 75,000 total thousand total votes.
1: Yeah. Democratic side. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Any, anything you saw in, in the 15th district, I think that was Chantel Brown beating Nina Turner.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, um, uh, it was hotly contested between Chantel and, and Nina Tur- Turner. And so, you know, and Chantel Brown ended up winning by just under six points. I think it was a, a interesting in that we've now seen a string of, of uh, wins by sort of the more moderate elements of the Democratic Party, if you will. Adams up in New York for the mayoral uh, win there. We've seen a few others and so I think, you know, the, part of what the, the the authoritarian right keeps running is, uh, you know, is pushing against the socialist left that's going to come and de- destroy the suburbs. Well, you know, Joe Biden's been president for a while now. The sub- suburbs are still standing. And yep. it, the, the extreme left of the Democratic Party has nowhere near—it has influence. It does ha- impact um, policy. It does push. It does nudge. It makes it, it, it does all those things. But it is not taken over the whole of the Democratic Party the way the authoritarian right has taken over completely uh, at almost every level, from judiciary elements to uh, elected officials to you know, I mean, just look at it. It's just uh, and at the state level in a lot of these states, um, the, the legislatures are are. Out of that whole wing of the of of the authoritarian wing of the Republican Party, so th- I think it's healthy. I mean, I think our our primaries have been a healthy thing. Uh, we're having uh, arguments about uh, policies, about whether we're pushing hard enough or not. Uh, I also think the party as a whole has uh, understands. Uh, more and more, what the stakes are—that that if you cannot negotiate with Republicans to get anything done, we're gonna have to negotiate with each other. I mean, we are the the small D democracy party in the United States, and if we can't come to some consensus, and we're not—no one's gonna be completely happy. No, it, it, that's never gonna happen in in, in 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 the Democratic Party. But I think there is some understanding that um, we've got to stay together. We've got to hold together uh, to defeat the authoritarian movement that's threatening democracy. Uh, And yeah, we're gonna have it out. We're gonna have fights in these primaries. But I think so far, the eventual nominee has been someone who I think can win a general election. That doesn't mean Nina probably would have won a general election in this district too. That's not my point, I'm just saying. But in the end, I think people are starting to make those kinds of decisions. And I also think, look, the you know, there, Chantelle Brown had some pretty good firepower behind her. The incumbent uh, m- member of Congress in that district, Jim Clyburn, supported her, which was a surprise, by the way. Yeah, well, it was a surprise when he endorsed Biden. Uh, uh, it came out when Biden was, you know, left for dead, and he was the one that came out and, and surprised people. So Clyburn had, I think. Uh, uh, another uh, big impact. But again, it's sort of this, the elder states people uh, you know, or whatever status quo establishment in the party, I think, it, you know, it's the same reason that Joe Biden won the, the nomination for the presidency and went on to win the, the presidency is there's a real understanding that we've, we've got to nominate people who can who can you can see how they might be able to bring people together it cannot be just sort of the you know raging against the establishment uh there's a place for that hey i was part of that myself in uh, my younger days uh when i worked for kennedy uh, against carter this is not the time um and i think hopefully the extreme left um Will understand that and stay engaged. Uh, I'm hopeful, and, and Sanders is doing a lot too. I think, you, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders has been doing quite a bit. I think to help bridge that divide and try to get people to understand what the stakes are. Uh, all the time, pushing hard for his for you know for his policies that are are farther to the left than than most members of the House and Senate. But um, but he's. He's doing things in a way that's bringing people together, holding the coalition. And this has to be a pro-democracy coalition that we build. And that means including Republicans and independents as part of that coalition to defeat this authoritarian push from the Republicans. If we can do that, we win. Uh, And then, hey, then I think there'll be some big policy fights. Uh, We can get back to that. I look forward to that day. But we're not there. We cannot do that. We have to stay united. I, a few
0: notes from this race that I thought were pretty good. One, I think uh, Clyburn actually said he wasn't going to get involved and they basically invited him in because I think Turner called him stupid or something. I mean, it was like it was crazy. But the, the real thing in that race, and I think Hakeem Jeffries, the congressman from New York, had a really good quote. I mean, this is essentially a proxy war about how far
1: how much he support Biden. Yeah. And it, it, it just didn't work. Well, I, I think, yeah, no, that's right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. A lot of this is, that's I mean. There's an urge in the party to stay united. And so when you come at or appear to be attacking Biden, saying he's not doing enough, he's not, you know, he, he, he uh, and attacking him or, or in some way, uh, infer that you're, you, you know, th- that you're taking him on, uh, or the Democratic establishment on any of those things you're you're going against that urge among everybody to come together to defeat the authoritarian me- regime it doesn't mean you're not right on an issue it just means this is not the fight the time to this is not a right versus left fight it's not an ideological fight within the party it's not dems versus republicans it's all of us all of us every single one of us with our president biden against this authoritarian gop that's threatening its autocracy versus democracy. And so I think, you know, yeah, Jeffrey said in the post-Trump era, the anti-establishment line of attack is lame. When President Biden and Democratic legislators are delivering millions of good-paying jobs, the fastest growing economy in 40 years, and a massive child tax cut. And I would add to that And when we're facing an authoritarian movement.
0: Yeah, well, he got into that too, right? I think he said after that, we're not going to act like punching bags for the extreme left. Let me put it this way. The majority of Democratic voters recognize that Trumpism and the radical right is the real enemy, not
1: us. That's exactly right. And I think that was it. Like I said, doesn't mean that there's division on policy. There is. Uh, Doesn't mean we won't have debates about it. Uh, but that's why in our party, we do have primaries uh, that are not you, you know, the big guy uh, telling people who who they should vote for. <laughs> we we have it out. Yes, yeah, certainly, there are different endorsements and stuff uh, and things like that. But I think um that you have to understand th- that all of us um need to put a lot of those differences uh, uh aside and realize the common enemy here, as Jeffries put it, you know, we know who the the enemy is the radical right. Uh, That's the real enemy here. And, uh, you know, he said, apparently the extreme left hasn't figured that out. Well, uh, you know, I think more and more people are figuring out. That's why, again, when I said, hey, everybody, spread this message, make sure that you're getting people to listen to this podcast or some other podcast that talks about this threat. Or, Or like I said, I'm not pitching the podcast. I'd love more people to listen. Uh, Alex would too. But I'm I'm saying there are plenty of articles, things like that. Twitter. M- make sure people are getting this because the more people get it, and apparently, I mean, he, he, again, he, Jeffrey said apparently, extreme left hasn't figured that out. I think everybody has to figure it out. Everybody. The more Republicans yep. who figure out that it's the extreme right of Trump and the authoritarian side of Trumpism, the, the more they see Tucker Carlson pitching dictatorship, uh, an iron fist le- leader as the future of their party, will they leave? I mean, some of them will, I hope. And that's what I mean. We have to keep pushing in that direction. And again, that is one of the reasons I joined the Lincoln Project, to, to help uh, uh, Steve Schmidt and and, and Rick and, and uh, Reed and, and Stuart Stevens and others. There's all it's a great team. Try to get the messages out uh, and try to get people engaged. Uh, and hopefully uh, all of us together build a pro-democracy coalition and win in 2022. Uh, look, before we go, uh, Alex, I know we're running out of time. I did want to call out that Jane Mayer had a piece in the New Yorker, that I think everybody should read again in that spirit of spreading the word, getting people to understand what's going on. It's a really powerful piece. Uh, We'll put it in our show notes, but I really hope people will read it and spread that, you know, and send that piece to their friends, their coworkers, their family members. Um, It's about the big money behind the big lie. And she follows the money and uh, does a great job in that piece in the New Yorker, it's called the big money behind the big lie, and we will put it in our show show notes. All right, uh, Joe, that's just about all the time we have this week. Okay, Alex, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to that trippy show. We'll be back Tuesday with another special guest and Friday at the usual time. We're going to try to stick to two shows a week. Uh, we may not always make that. Um, but I think as we're getting closer to 2022, both the politics and the work we all need to do against this uh, movement, authoritarian movement, is going to you know, be worth uh, putting out, trying to put out two shows a week. So we'll be doing that. As always, please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen, and we'll see you Tuesday. I am Anthony Scaramucci, and you may know me from my career on Wall Street or my 11 days in the White House. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I'll tell you, if you read books, you can. I love to read, and my new podcast, Open Book, is about just that. Each book is this curated source of knowledge, which we can buy for $10 and digest in 10 hours. Together with some of the brightest minds and authors out there, I'll turn the pages on everything from history and psychology to finance and tech. You can find Open Book with Anthony Scaramucci on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.